This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Fivas, ASHI certified inspector at an inspector like a girl, and licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. The summer is a great time to get outside and enjoy nature, but when not? When it's too uh, close to your house, it's not going to work, right? Bees can be an unwelcome guest. So today we're going to talk with beekeeper and bee remover Allie Pinion. She's going to talk about how you can properly remove those little guys. Join the conversation with us this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. How are you guys doing this morning? Pretty good this morning. Yeah, Jeff. Doing, doing great. Thank you. All Thank right. You. Good deal. Well, I wanted y'all? Uh, doing well. I, I wanted to start you guys off. I had some some interesting things that I had to fix this weekend uh, that are just little bitties. Okay, or I, I had a little bitty project this weekend that that ended up being like uh, something pretty easy. That, that I think a lot of people can do, okay? I, I was noticing on our screen door, we've got a screen door at the house, right? And all of a sudden, the screen door started banging. Every time somebody would leave, wham, it would right. slam back onto the door. And uh, my daughter, who you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's summertime. So her hours are a little different. She comes and goes a little different. And and every time she walks in that door, no matter what time it is, wham. So um I went and looked in the little the little hydraulic thingy that they use to hold the doors open, you know, uh those thingies. Uh I get that had gone out. Um so I went by the store. They sell, uh, you know, replacements of those, almost identical to the ones that say come with the doors or whatever. And I bought one of those and installed it. And in minutes, they've got the instructions just on the back of the of the part. Uh, there's a little paper back there. You look at it. It's only a couple, probably three instructions, and you just screw it in. But anyway, it solved all of the problem of the banging door. And and made it so that no matter how hard she tries to slam it, <laughs> it just goes. Whoosh. She is a teenager, so right? I'm sure she's trying pretty hard, right? So, uh, so, so I've <laughs> conquered that. I've conquered it. So, anyway, I wanted to say, and you can do that. Those those little hydraulic thingies, by the way, they were under twenty bucks. Uh, it was it was nothing to do by myself, and all it really takes is uh, a screwdriver. The the rest of it was was just uh, hand stuff and one screwdriver and you've got this down. So anyway, uh, the the saga of the nineteen seventy two toilet continues. Um, I oh finally yeah yeah. So so those of you who are, who have not been following it at home, um, there's been this toilet that I came across. Someone asked me to work on this toilet, a friend, and and I have. And every time I go over there to fix something, he comes back and he says, hey, man, it's leaking again. So finally, I, I, I told him, I was like, look, go out and buy everything they make for a toilet that's not the toilet and let's replace it. So we did this past week. <laughs> and for two days after that, I replaced, I replaced everything that was, if it wasn't made of porcelain, I replaced it. 
right? So, um, <laughs> so Jason is now days. minus one friend. Hang, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I, would, I would love to know how many man hours we have in this toilet. It's well, like it's got to be a two thousand dollar. You know, I, I have a, a regular Sunday night appointment at three to go over and fix his toilet now, so it's it's a regular thing. But you anyway, know, there's, a, there's a song, something that says, uh, you know, um, you got to know when to when to fold them. When to fold them, right? <laughs> well. Yeah. I threw my best at it this week, okay? So for two days after, I leave the house, and for two days after, I get reports of, uh uh-oh, there's water still. There's still a leak. And and I'm just banging my head against the wall. Well, for the past two days, he comes back to me and says, there's no water. It's fine. It's perfect. It's as dry as a bone. It's perfect. And and so we're trying to figure if, like I said, barometric pressure is going into this or... (laughs) <laughs> Can't figure it out, but you know what? It's not leaking at the moment. I'm going to call it a success until I'm told otherwise. I'm going to strongly recommend uh-huh. that when he goes on vacation, he turns that toilet off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for your uh, confidence in my repairs. I appreciate that. All right, folks, uh, this is Fix It 101, and these are the people you're going to get your answer from right here. So the number to call is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send in an email at fixit101 at mpbonline.org. What have you guys gotten into recently? Well, okay, Uh, and it it seems it – my pool never breaks in the winter. It, it only breaks in the summertime. Your pool? So of yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. So the pool pump started making this horrible noise. So I went out there and I said, you know what? This thing that sounds like it's going out. So I did the backwash, you know, just it was time. And, yeah. of course, turned the pump back on and it, it, it won't come on now. So did you kick I it, Jeff? my pool guy and he says, I asked him if we could get a pump, and he says, sure. And I asked him, could he install it? And he just, but he said what he could do is drop the pump off at my house so right. I can install it. Uh-huh. So, oh, boy. That's what I'm doing. So Jeff, Jeff went to the store and bought him a tool belt and uh, and started from there. Video. Uh-oh, we're losing some video from Jeff, or audio. Hey, Pam, what about you? What what did you work on this weekend? Well, I just wanted to insert there that maybe he needs to get you to come over there and work on that pump. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Well, if you want yeah. someone. What are you doing? Because you your someone, tenacity is off the charts. Tenacity is I, great. I really think, but yeah. if you really want someone to work on your pool pump seven times, I'm your guy. <laughs> I have just, uh, Jeff, I've replaced the pump on my pool, and I've been in this house 20-something years. I think I've pl- I've, I've, got, I've gone through like maybe four pumps every five years or so. Right, I put right. another one on. Your hammer index that you use, what's our highest hammer, hammer index, a 10? A 5. Five hammers. A five. Yeah. A 5. So one to five, I'm going to say that's probably about a 2. 
Just make sure you've got all the fittings. That's the big thing on that. I'm gonna need some help. It's it's that technical. See, you know what? I gotta say that too. Is that is it? Pam's two is different than a lot of people's twos. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right. You know. around the one range. Right, yeah, okay, okay. So uh, Eric is on the line and call you real Tennessee. That's, uh, I think that's, uh, well, I don't know, maybe. Uh, that's somewhere around Memphis, uh, I think. Hey, I, so, I know I know Collierville very well. Used to used to live there. Oh, okay. Well, then that worked out. All right, um, hang on just a second. Let's go ahead and go to Eric. You there? Yes, good morning, good morning. Good morning. So what's going on? I called you about a month ago, and I was the gentleman that was a little distraught about my uh, modular home that I was getting installed on my property. You gave me some pointers to, to get that completed. Do I need to uh, hide under the desk, man? What, oh, no, <laughs> where are no, we going? no, no, no. <laughs> that, that part of the issue is pretty much taken care of, about 98% done. Uh, the, now I have another issue. Since my family and I have moved into our home, uh-huh. we have low water pressure. I went to one of the big box stores and purchased a water line pressure tester deal that screws into the faucet. Uh-huh. And um, I have about 20, between 27 and 30 PSI of water pressure. That is low. Um, where, where does he need to be, Pam? Yeah. Hey, Eric, between 40 and 80. Yeah, oh, I would okay. say, yeah, 60 now, would be 60. good. When you're pushing yeah. 80, you could really do some damage. But, yeah, that's a lot. Hey, Eric, how, how, far, how far is the home from the water meter? Almost 100 yards off the uh, main street. Okay. And, it's up, and then it's up a hill, about a 30, 32-degree incline up a hill. Simple fix. Sir? I said it's a simple fix. Are you ready? Um, I hope it's not what I already tried and I blew out <laughs> the pump. But, yes, I'm, now, I'm ready. What it sounds like to me, do you know what size water line is coming off of that meter on your yes. side going to the home? How big is that line? It's about a three-fourth inch line because that's what I ended okay. up. Um, that's the that's the problem. Increase the size of that line. You do not need a bigger meter. You need a bigger discharge line. And then it, 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 it has less resistance. A three-quarter line is too small. I would go a two-inch. That's plenty of pressure. Uh, a one-inch will probably do it. Call your water company, and they can calculate that for you. But I, I do know a two-inch. I just ran. I've got a house that's um, your your three hundred your 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 three hundred feet off of the road. Is that right? Is that is that what yes. I heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, three three hundred feet. I'm fifteen hundred feet on a house I'm building. I ran a two-inch uh, water line, and we've got plenty of pressure. So your okay. your issue is your line between your home and your meter. Okay, okay. Now the, Provide thing, I, I, the I meter just is working <laughs> properly. So so call your water company. Okay, because I just kicked out twenty five hundred to have a contractor come out and run this line for the home. Well, yeah, you need to do some research because I don't think a three quarter line is big enough. Bottom line. 
Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's too much friction in a three quarter line. The line's too small. Right. Okay. Okay. All right, Thank Eric. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Yes, Thank sir. You. I hope that works out. I, I hate that you had to spend that, and then you might have to to go back and, and look for another alternative. But, uh, well, you know what? We're going to give it a break here in just a second. It's time for us to take our first break for the hour. When we come back, we'll uh, list the top tools every DIYer should have but didn't know you needed. Or wait a second. You know what? We've already done that. We'll do something else when we get back. If you've got a question and want to join the show again, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHI Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Going to start off with one of those emails right here from Pam. We got this email in last night, okay? Uh, Pam Parker, she says, Hi, I need exterior paint, caulk, and wood filler 101. With a little smiley face after it. Okay, number one. Uh, is the exterior paint primer combination good, or is it better to purchase separate products? Wait, what say you folks? Pam? You know, every time I get ready to paint something, and I, my mother always said, it's the viscosity of the paint, the thickness of the paint. If you get a thin viscosity, you're going to get a terrible paint job. Okay. <laughs> so you want to go, I always, without fail, go to the paint store. I don't go to the big box stores. I go to the paint stores Uh because those folks have so much knowledge and I will tell them what the application is, where I'm going to put it, what type of product it's going on. And they can give me this beautiful outline. And I discovered a couple of years ago, a paint product and it's like three times as expensive as the other paint. Of course it is. I I buy it once. Right. I'm not, I painted and I don't have to paint again. Okay. So you're allowed on this show. And we've done this before in the past. Jeff will tell you his favorite toilet in the world is a Kohler. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and we've, we've had other people mention favorite brands. Um, you know, we've had Honda engines mentioned on this program. So you tell me what, what is this magic paint that you can buy? Well, it's up at Seabrook. I go to the Seabrook folks here in Ridgeland, and okay. um, it is it 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 glides on. Yeah, it's but what's the most the brand amazing. Name? Yeah, and I can't I can't tell you what that is off what? the top of my head. At the commercial break, I'll run outside and grab it. All right, all right. Well, we'll have but to... it's just 
it's amazing. And I'm going to tell, I tell people this all the time. Do not cut, don't corners, don't go with cheap paint because you're just going to be painting five times. If you get a good paint, you really don't even need a primer. All right, Jeff, uh, have you been listening? Yes. All right. Um, so, what do you think? I, I've got a total. I got a total different uh, brand than what Pam said. I prefer a Sherwin Williams. Okay. Duration. Duration. Okay, it's that's called, a particular kind of paint. It's it's extremely expensive. Um, <laughs> when I say expensive, I think it's somewhere in the fifty dollar range. For what? Um, for a gallon. Fifty bucks um, a gallon. But it is. It, but but hey, when, when you're painting the exterior of your house, the paint is not the big cost. The cost is the labor. So, okay. I would, yeah, take that into consideration. When right. You, when and if you have to paint that. twice, the labor is twice. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, and I tell people, too, something else to keep in mind is that if you're going to hire a painter, mm-hmm. then you go buy your paint and then pay the labor. Right. You get the paint you want. And I looked it up. It's called Aura, A-U-R-A. And you can get it at Seabrook, and it's just a, it just goes on easier. It's like the it's, science it's, diet it's, of paint. It, it's yeah. just awesome. Okay. <laughs> I love this paint. You can see all my receipts here. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So, so her original question is, is the exterior paint primer combination good? Or is it better to purchase separate products? I've used the paint primer option before on interior. Never used it on exterior before. On interior, it's fine. It's great. It actually does a great job of covering, especially uh, darker paints and 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 kind of scuffed up uh, uh, walls, things like that. So it does work for me like that. But you know, I guess that's to each person's opinion. Seems to me rolling the wall. Uh, one time instead of nine times is better. So. Oh yeah. Well, and on exterior too. If you don't prep that and clean it, mm-hmm. and you paint on top of dust and grime, and nothing's gonna stick. No, that's true. Okay. You, you um, know, a lot of a lot of thing, a lot of times too, people forget this. If you buy good quality paint, the paint is probably not what failed. It's probably the substrate under the paint. So the paint's I mean probably not what failed. Okay. When, when, your, when your wood swells and, and, and contracts, that's going to make that paint crack. When right. it cracks, water gets behind it and starts, starts your demise of that paint. Right. By the way, if you'd like to make a contribution this hour to uh, MPB to help Jeff get a better uh, signal... We can uh, we can do that. Java is put. He doesn't have any hair to pull out. Right. Yeah. But I got. I've got two bars. All right. Tug on that beard, Java. Tug on. Okay. Let's keep going with the question from Pam. She says, "What is best? What's the best caulk for joints between wood?" And how about between wood and concrete? Is there a brand thing that we're going to deal with here uh, yes. on caulk? Really? Yeah, if you get, and, and I tell you, people will cut corners on caulk, and it, that's such a bad idea. You want an exterior grade. The cheap stuff is the interior grade non-silicon. 
and it cracks and dries out. Right. And so you've just got to make sure. I tell you, choosing caulk is like choosing the light bulb. <laughs> you go to these big box stores and there's just rows and rows yeah, of Yeah, yeah. So how do I know which is the best one for, say, wooden concrete? Is it going to say it on the tube? It should. What I would do, once again, is I would go to, instead of going to the big box store, go to these smaller paint stores and just ask them for an education on what the best thing is. You don't necessarily have to buy the product there. Right. You could, since they're giving you all that time. But right. I would find out, because if you use the wrong product, you're just, uh, you talk about a mess. Personal experience here. It's just a mess. Right. You need you need the right stuff. And let me jump. Can I jump track for just a second? Because I looked up water lines for Eric. Yeah. And just to say, Jeff was so right. What I'm seeing on the graph I've got in front of me at 80 feet, your minimum water line needs to be an inch and a quarter. Okay. So, so if he's at three quarter line at 80 feet. He doesn't have any pressure. Okay, so what what she's referring to is a call we had a little while, a few minutes ago, where someone said, hey, I'm not getting any water pressure in my home. And then we found out that the home was a long way from the meter at the street. And we found that the pipe that supplied his home was uh, inadequately small uh, to give him enough water to create pressure. So uh, he, uh, so what Jeff recommended for his water line uh, to, to increase the diameter of the water line, you're now finding online is, is, is probably right on. Yeah, and he, Eric mentioned, if you're still listening, you said you had a contractor lay this line. I would go back to them and say, help me understand how you calculate three-quarter inch at over 80 feet. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, because Pam, he's 300 feet off the road. So Right, right. Well, good. I'm, gl- I'm glad you were able to see that, Pam. Um, uh, that works out. Let's keep going. One more thing. Uh, so in, in caulk, let's not go cheap, and let's look for a product that is made for that material. And hopefully you're saying that we'll probably say it on the tube, correct, Pam? It will, yeah. Yeah, there's usually a, um, uh, on the labels there, they'll tell you if it's for an exterior application. Right. If it can be painted, that's very important. Yes. <laughs> if, it's, if it can't be painted, then all your caulk's going to show on the outside. So right. So make sure that, and, and then, because if it's an interior product or something that you, yeah, an interior product that you put on the outside, what's going to happen is that the ultraviolet rays are going to shrink that thing up. And you're going to have all these cracks. It'll be that, that, that dried, cracked, crumbly look that caught gets after it's been in the sun for too long. Yeah, and it won't yeah. take it long. You're looking right. about, about six months as it'll start doing that. So the type of product you use is so important um, right. for that. You know, and you can even Google that if you wanted to before you go in. Because it is. It's overwhelming when you're standing there looking at all right. these products. All right, let's um, go. Figure um, out. Thank you, Pam. I appreciate that. That was Pam Parker, and um, she says, thank you. Love your show. I hope that helped out. Let's go to John and Hazelhurst now. What's going on, John? Hey, good morning. Um, I, I just heard the lady inspector say something, and I've got a small uh, building material and supply in Hazelhurst. Uh-huh. And I just I just heard her say, hey, maybe go to an independent paint store yes, sir. for advice. And then you don't have to buy it there, but you could 
And I was just going to lightly chide her and just say, hey, if you're going to the small stores for expert advice, then you need to support them and really and buy it there if you're going there for advice. John, so, if we had a ding-ding button, I'd have hit it right now. It'd be right on. Okay. <laughs> Pam, would you like to speak yeah. to John straight up? No, I think, no. Then that's why I caught myself in the middle of that, John. I was like, wait a minute. You need to buy your stuff there if they're going to spend time thank with you. you. So thanks for the call. You're so right. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you, dear, because we need all the, the help we can get against the big boxes. If you want to keep those stores in your small towns and, you know, um, uh, in a convenient location. And so I love your show and uh, really appreciate it. And I just wanted to kind of throw that in. Thank, well, thank you. you appreciate it, John. Right. You know, it's you, funny. You the, know what? I, hey, um, yeah. did I fix the connection? Are we better? Yeah, we're better. Go for it. Uh, I just want to comment on that. I go to a little uh, hardware in Madison, and it's so nice. You know, you walk in there, everybody knows your name. Hey, Jeff, what do you need? I'll go get it for you. Well, try that in a big box. Oh, I need uh, such and such. Oh, well, it's back over there somewhere. If you're lucky enough to find somebody. Right. Uh, well, just my another, little. Yeah, uh, Jeff, I agree with you 100%. Something that also needs to be said about uh, the local stores. Uh, you know, the big box stores do have what you would call everything. But they don't have all of everything. And what I mean by that is that you can find some really unique products at the local stores that the big box don't have or or may not be cost enough uh cost effective enough for them to sell but they're very Absolutely. good products so yeah. uh, so if you go to some of these kind of uh local stores and hardware stores they may have that one bolt or nut that fits that one thing that you have that doesn't that that nobody else in the world has that person may have it and that, that's uh one of the reasons why they're so valuable Hey, Jeff, and, and fortunately, I go to that same. Go ahead, Pam. Yeah. Jeff, I go to that same store and I love walking in there because, and if I'm in the middle of a project and I've got this little part, <laughs> I can walk in there and three people, it's almost like, whoom, they just come right up to me. What do you need? And then they take it, it out of my hand exactly. and they walk right back there and they get it. And to speak to Jason's point, Mm -hmm. This is, I'm such a nerd, but whenever we're not busy, usually in the wintertime, mm -hmm. I will go to that store and just walk up and down the aisles because I love some of the unique stuff that they have in there. Oh, no, that's, that's a, that's a, um, a handy person's library. Is, you know, I mean, <laughs> yes. that's where the ideas happen, man. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jeff? Uh, I was just going to say there's a place for the big box stores. You know, you need a lawnmower. You need, you need, th th there's a place for the big box stores. And two, uh, my wife works for the big box store, so spread the love. Right, right, yes. Uh, there's, there's plenty to go around. This is a multi, multi billion dollar business, the home improvement and DIY business. So there's plenty to go around. It's time for another break. When we come back, we're going to talk with beekeeper Allie Pinion about how to deal with bees around the home. You remember, we, we kind of want the bees. Keep a wasp. 
when to call a professional remover and how to build a beehive yourself, you can find out all that cool stuff. If you want to uh, join today's show, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHI certified inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. And if you missed any of today's program, you can always listen back by podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. All right, uh, this hour, this is going to be so cool. Uh, this moment, we're going to go. Uh, do we do we need to go to the phone yet? We're we talking to. Uh, let's go to Allie. Uh, Allie Pinion. Am I saying that right, Allie? By the way, that's correct. Okay, yeah. and you're uh, the owner uh, owner of Dreaming the Bee in Starkville, right? Correct. Yeah. So, well, thanks for being on the show. Tell me about what it is that you do. Well, I, I like to call myself a bee guardian. Um, so I'm a I'm a part time beekeeper. I um, I like to, I use horizontal hives, which means I don't really have to lift the heavy boxes. Um, they're a little bit different looking. I do, um, my primary goal is bee education. So I educate young people and adults about beekeeping um, and also not just about um, honeybees, but um, how to attract pollinators of different varieties to your home. Um, and then I also do extractions and removals from homes and um i catch swarms so okay before you go on uh, <laughs> java and i've been talking about this since he first told me we we're going to do this show i i said you know i understand Allie's coming on and this is going to be a cool unique show but you got to tell me there's a difference between being sweet to bees and being sweet to wasps <laughs> there's got to be a difference well, well I, i'm actually glad that you bring that up because um, a lot of the calls that I get for removals are actually I show up and they end up being wasps. Right. So um, wasps are going to look quite a bit different from bees when you really take a look at them. And I understand that people don't really want to get too close to them to notice that. No, they look like little death missiles. <laughs> right. Um, but that's one of the ways that you can tell if you are approaching a wasp or a bee. As a wasp is going to be more aggressive because wasps don't have the stingers like the honeybee have. So honeybees have a pretty prominent barb in their stingers, so when they sting, it stays in your skin and the bee dies. But a wasp will not die, and it can sting you multiple times. See, there's no honor in that. There's no honor in that. <laughs> wasps are just jerks. <laughs> and, you know, wasps do have their place. They do some pollination, and they do um, kill other insects that we consider pests. So, um, you know, uh, farmers do like to have them around, especially with vegetable crops, because the wasps are meat eaters and, um, you know, they will eat other insects. But, um, yeah, so before you call a beekeeper to come do a removal, um, it's really good to kind of check, check to see if they're bees. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, there are many different types of bees in Mississippi and many different types of wasps. Um, 
But the beekeepers are mainly looking for um, honeybees that live in colonies. And, you know, I've also done some removals of bumblebees because they also live in colonies. Yeah, we were talking this morning about carpenter bees. And um, uh, Java had mentioned someone in his family has got a deck that has become a a condominium uh, (laughs) for carpenter bees. Uh, Are those things that you, I mean... They can kind of ruin your house, right? Well, they can. They can compromise the structure of your decks or steps that go um, from your house. Um, So that was actually the first thing that I wanted to talk about because most um, homeowners are going to come in contact with carpenter bees rather than honeybees. And and this is something that the homeowner themselves can, um, can do. You know, when you have honeybees, you're going to want to call a professional beekeeper to remove those. Um, But... A, a carpenter bee is a, a solitary bee, and you can tell the difference of the carpenter bee, and they'll be a lot larger than a honeybee. They might not even be an inch long. But they're going to be mostly hairless, and they're going to be pretty loud. And yeah. The, yeah, the ones that um, are going to be more uh, defensive towards you are going to be the males, and they are actually not going to have a stinger, but they like to be loud and kind of let you know they're around. And then the female is the one that's actually burrowing into your wood. So some easy ways to to get them to move is by um, actually kind of providing another space for them to move into. So um, many people either construct themselves or purchase a um, a pollinator hotel. And simply what, what that is, is uh, yeah. So. Um, I actually made these as gifts for my fans, uh, my friends and family for Christmas. See, a I'm years thinking ago. for a, for a carpenter bee. I was thinking this has got to be like a what a pile of wood somewhere well, by a tree. You can do that. That's an easy way to do it. But um, another way that kind of looks neat, and you can actually put this close to the deck. You know, so I'm going to tell you a few ways to kind of coax them out. But uh-huh. then, if you give them something to move into, they're more likely to not move back into your deck. So um, these pollinator hotels, you make them by drilling um, a quarter inch to half inch holes about one and a half inches to three and a half inches deep. Uh-huh. So you're basically giving them a little starter cell to move into. And oh, okay. um, and other ways, preventive ways, are using hardwoods for decks and painting them because they don't really like to move into or chew through wood with its painted. Um so ways of coaxing them out, you could use some smoke to get them to come out. You know how, like, beekeepers use smokers? Um, so you could smoke My first out. thought is somebody with a cigarette in their mouth blowing that well, cigarette into the hole, getting stung on the lip. I was about to say, <laughs> my first thought. really don't like tobacco. Right. So you're going to get, you probably will get stung with that. Um but you can play music. Like, they really don't like loud music, and you could just put a radio or a speaker right beside and get them to move out. Um, you can get something that smells, like some essential oils. Um, almond oil works really well. And put a few drops along the outside. Um, you can rub garlic along the outside. And, you know, get them to move out of that space, and then you can plug it up with some wood filler and then have them a little space to move into. So whether that's a pile of sticks in your yard or a, um, a little pollinator hotel that you've built yourself. 
Okay. Um, hang on just a second. Oh, oh, we've got a call for you. B lady. Allie's on the phone. Roger's on the line in Florence. What's going on, Roger? Well, I have a potential solution for carpenter bees. My barn is just about riddled. It's sort of, <laughs> I'd have to glue it back together with a whole lot of wood filler to fill the hole. Does your remedy include gasoline? <laughs> That's a permanent remedy. But, right. But this is one that somebody suggested, and I swear I think it has reduced the carpenter bee population around my barn this year. And that is a fake hornet's nest. They Ooh. don't like hornets. They're afraid of them, I'm told. Uh, somebody with more information than me. Hang on, what, that. what did so you say was you, afraid of hornets? You, well, that's what I've heard. And so you get you get a uh, a, a gray uh, plastic grocery bag. I, I want to say a Walmart bag, but we can't use the word Walmart. But right, you know, one yeah. of those regular bags that's kind of gray in color, if you can get one. Mm-hmm. And you stuff it full of anything, maybe just other bags, so that it looks kind of round. Yeah. And you hang it up near the place where you've noticed. Uh, carpenter bees are attacking, and I, it, it has helped a lot. <laughs> now, it's very simple. Oh, it kind of simulates a hive? I, I think mm-hmm. it's exactly what it does, it, and it does. It looks kind of like a, a hornet uh, hive, you know. But, okay. So uh, I would suggest trying that if, if you've got an outdoor space where where you're having trouble with it. It, it, has, it has, I think, it has helped a lot. All right. Well, thank you very much. I mean, whenever we can hear something like that that will shoo away some of them without uh, really causing a lot of harm. Allie, what do you think of that? I think that is a wonderful idea. I really love that. Um, And he's right. They are afraid of hornets. Um, You know, like I was saying there, the hornets are predatory, and honeybees are afraid of them as well. Really? Honeybees are afraid of them too? Yes, because they will come and steal their their food, and they will come and kill the bees. So I found hornets inside and yellow jackets inside my beehives before. I mean, they're dead because the bees have killed them, and that's how I found them. But man, this is a rough crowd between these guys <laughs> and the murder hornets. I mean, what? Had <laughs> no idea. Right? Yeah. <laughs> these guys are brutal. It's like mafia. Uh, so okay, Allie. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, Allie, um, I was promised that you knew how to build a beehive thingy. Well, yes. Um, I think that that is a really important thing for people to know because it took me many years to get into beekeeping because uh-huh. of the expenses that are required to get started. And um, the type of hive that I built is uh, quite a bit different from the typical box hives that we see on the, the sides of roads and on farms. Um, those can, you know, be $250 enough to get started with. Um, so what I built is called the Kenyan Top Bar Hive, and it was it's really old hive style, but it was reintroduced by the Peace Corps in, um, oh, the 1970s, I believe. But it doesn't utilize frames. It utilizes top bars instead, and it's kind of hard to describe it, but it looks like half of a hexagon, and um, it has a bar across the top, and the bees draw 
the cone down from the bar instead of having a, huh. a frame. And um, it, it definitely has a learning curve to be able to utilize them. And it, they're really not for honey production. You end up getting about um, 10 to 20% less honey by utilizing them. Right. Um, but the bees seem to like them better, and they're much more docile because you're only opening about two to four inches of the hive at a time. Docile's um, good. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and I actually have, there's free plans online, um, and I have them on my website. If you go to uh, dreamingthebee.com and you look under resources, uh-huh. um, there are free plans for the top bar hives. And I the first one I built, I actually uh, built it out of pallets that I found on the side of the road. Smart. Um, yeah, and then I realized in Mississippi that the bees, um, especially in full sun, they needed a little more insulation than the you know the, the thin pallets could provide. So I ended up going back later. My husband helped me, thank goodness, um, and build some two-bys uh, with some two-bys so that it has a thicker insulation. There you and, go. Um, I've also built some laying hives, which are another type of horizontal hive, which means um, that instead of stacking boxes up high, and the boxes can be about 100 pounds, they are, you know, horizontal in length, so you don't have to lift heavy boxes. Okay. That sounds, that just sounds like it's a, a really neat thing. Um, um, I was going to ask, uh, how did you get interested in doing this? Well, um, for many reasons. Uh, one being my grandfather has always been interested in, in keeping bees, and um, he and I talked about it a lot, and he told me that if if I got some bees, then he would buy me a bee suit. And um, <laughs> I'm really interested in, in meditation and, and connecting with nature, and um, I read a lot about bees and how people worked with them in meditation and to gain patience and learn stillness. And that kind of all those things brought me into beekeeping. So you had me at bee suit. So that's <laughs> cool. Me... All right. Uh, well, thank you and so let me, much. Can I, interse- I yeah. want to interject here. I had an opportunity to visit with Allie a couple of weeks ago and had gone up to visit with a mutual friend of ours. And so we were, we all went out to look at the bees and how many of us were there, Allie? Five or six of us, maybe? Yeah, I think so. So about social distancing, and there was, Luna is what? Is she five or six? Five. And then your little assistant, Charlie, is 12, and then maybe yeah. three adults, four adults. And we're social distancing. <laughs> I need to throw that in there. And we're walking out, and we don't have on a suit. And Allie removed the front, and it was it was amazing just to stand there and watch these bees. Um, and they were around the hive and in the hive. And, you know, Luna was, she's five years old, and she's right up there at the glass looking at them. So it's a, it's really, that's why I wanted Allie to come on, because I thought, what a wonderful family um, hobby. Or uh, education process, and Allie does such a good job of teaching, um, and her little assistant, Charlie, is, he's 12, and he's beekeeping. He's got his own suit. Well, I want to thank Allie for coming on. I really appreciate it, and the, the, you know, 
the world needs these people. I can't be one of them uh, to be around the open bees without a suit on. But, but you know, I will maybe uh, give that a try. Uh, uh, a lot of bees is not a happy place for me. But uh, <laughs> but that's a good. Allie, thank you for coming on today. We've got to move on to a question that we've got online. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope everything is going well and make some more cool beehives. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Let's go to David in Mobile. And uh, last week, we uh, talking about painting kitchen cabinet doors. Yes, this is something my wife and I are getting into now. What's going on, David? Oh, just fine. Uh, just to interject, I uh, uh, used to have bees uh, myself, so that was a good segment. Oh, cool. Thank uh, you, sir. Right. Have you made any decision as to what type of paint you're going to use on your cabinet doors? Now, when you say type, what what do you mean? What, what am I looking for here? Well, what paint are you going to put on the doors? You're going to paint them rather than uh, varnish them. Yes, sir. Uh, correct? Correct, correct. The idea, hopefully, is to, uh, you know, take the doors off, do, uh, uh, you know, uh, obviously a very good cleaning job first, then a little a light sand job uh, to get it to hold the paint, and then go after it. Okay. Uh, I just uh, finished uh, uh, working on uh, the back of my house, and part of the project included uh, refinishing uh, steel uh, doors, you know, with uh, uh, windows in them uh, uh-huh. at our entrance. Uh, I called Sharon Williams, their national tech support, and asked them what they recommended. And the condition was, I am 76. I said, guys, I don't want to be doing this again in my mid-90s. Right. <laughs> Let this be the last one. Have you, I'm sure you have used uh, urethanes before, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, what's the downside of them real quick? Uh, well, it, it depends on the ones that you're using, but but they can get, uh, depending on what you're using, dry and cracked. They can get brittle. And if they're in the sun, um, I don't know. And, 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 and they can turn yellow. Yes, uh, yes. Oh, hey, okay. Jeff. Well, okay, I'm back. Uh, re- real quick, because I see you're running out of time. Sharon Williams has just introduced in their Emerald line, uh, this is their you know, very top end, a latex urethane. And uh, I got that and in a matte finish uh-huh. and put that on... Uh, these doors, right? And it is phenomenal. Ooh, you got uh, matte finished. That's a that's a gutsy call, man. Yeah, uh, they've got it in uh, matte, uh, semi gloss, and gloss. Okay. Uh, you of course have the advantage of it being latex. Right. Uh, I was putting it on a vertical surface. Uh-huh. I used a you know top of the line, uh, pretty. Uh, brush. A purdy brush, right? And, By the way, for those uh, of you who don't know, that's an actual name brand, and it's it's like P U R D Y or something. Yeah, P is in Paul, U R D Y. Right. And yeah. I didn't get them from a big box store. I go direct to Purdy uh, because there's a big difference. But anyway, uh, I put this on after proper surface prep. 
uh, on the vertical surface. It doesn't mm-hmm. sag. You've got plenty of time as far as, you know, a brush. Uh, it doesn't show brush marks unless you get right up on top of it. Right. That's uh, fantastic. It is, it is great. I'm going to, uh, the heat's driving me inside, so I'm going to redo uh, uh, trim uh, on the interior, and I'm using that. Uh, so if you go to uh, Sharon Williams' site, it's the Emerald Urethane Trim Enamel. Now, cool. Thank you. Thank you very much, David. We appreciate that. Um, I, I really do because I'm going to be doing those shelves and it's going to be really tough. I'm hoping not to do it in the middle of the summer heat. Before we go, I had a couple of things I wanted to mention because I absolutely love this tip that we got. If you're using uh, extension cords or those power strips, do not plug these things in. You ready? Do not. Large appliances like refrigerators, uh, don't plug those into a power strip. Microwaves, straight to the wall, folks. Coffee pot, please don't plug that into a power strip. It really can't take that. A toaster, I know a toaster is just a bunch of wires in a steel case, but man, uh, you don't want to plug that into um, a extension cord or a power strip if you can help it. Portable heaters and air conditioners are a big no-no. And uh, portable air compressors, uh, household helpers there. The, that's Those are things you do not want to plug into a, uh, into a power strip. They will overload the power strip, burn it up, or even blacken it from uh, melting that power strip. Lots of bad things can happen, so don't do that. There's your tip of the day. And that's it, folks. We made it. Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Liz Gill for Pam Pibus, Jeff Sammons, and our guest, Allie Pinion. I'm Jason Klein. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White, and join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.